Morning, everyone. Isn't it so encouraging when we are homeless at Who that you've welcomed us in and everyone knows at Who that I'm preaching and no one has turned up? So isn't that so nice? So thank you, fellow Who people. This will not be forgotten. How rude. Right, so uh, Julie actually mentioned in prayer what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so we're going to be uh, thinking about the 12 apostles uh, and thinking about their journey and what we can learn from it. So today's message is the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And our section today is in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 19. And I've done it from the International Children's Bible because we've got some books in the communities. Not sure if you use them here but our church do when the kids are in. And it says this, Then Jesus went up on a hill and called some men to come to him. Those were the men Jesus wanted, and they went up to him. Jesus chose 12 men and called them apostles. What else do we know them as? Yes, this is going to be a lot of participation, so I need lots of shouting. Yes, they were the disciples. He wanted these 12 to be with him, and he wanted to send them to other places to preach. He also wanted them to have the power to force demons out of people. These are the 12 men he chose. This is good work. Right. This is where I'm going to test your knowledge. And uh, I know there's not many of us, but I'm going to ask for 11 people to be brave to hold up a piece of paper at the front of here, please. 11 people. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, there's one. Thank you, children. Thank you. There's one. Two. Thank you. Three. Thank you. Four. Thank you. Five. Thank you very much. I only need six more people. All you have to do is hold up a piece of paper. Seven, I'm going to be pushed out of the way here. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Thank you very much. Look at that. Right, hopefully this isn't going to feed back if I'm too close to the speaker. Right, so everyone, who were the 12 apostles? I heard a name. Right, Simon. There we are, Simon. There we are, well done. Any other names? Simon was Peter. We'll come to that later. James. John. Thank you very much. You can be John. Who's looking at my pieces of paper? There we are. Philip. Right, you can be Philip. Genius. Well done. Bartholomew. Who's looking at their text? Cheats. Matthew. Thomas, James, Thaddeus, have I miscounted? Have I, who haven't I given one to? I can't count. I need another person. Oh, there she is. Right, who are the last two? Judas, I'm going to be Judas because no one else can be Judas. And Simon. Welcome and intro be introduced. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't have a power struggle at this point. We're going to have issues later. 
Right, so can you uh, welcome the 12 apostles to your church? Right, you can sit down with your pieces of paper. I'm going to call you up a bit later. Uh, For Simon and James, you've got a one or a two on your piece of paper. And I'll call you up appropriately. So, I think we've already checked in our text because people were reading it. So, these are the 12 men he chose. Simon, Jesus gave him the name Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus gave them the name... Anyone want to say that word? There we are, thank you. Which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Judas is the one who gave Jesus to his enemies. Right. When I think of the 12 apostles, I think of a certain picture. Can anyone else think of a certain picture? Or should I say painting? There we are. And who painted the Last Supper? Da Vinci. Yes, well done. Now, did you know, a bit of a fun fact, Da Vinci didn't prepare his artwork properly, so within 100 years, it was considered ruined. You'd think with a professional painter, you'd prepare your artwork first before you painted it. So there you are, there's hope for us all. And I've got no idea how I am in my text. Right, so we're going to be introduced to each apostle now. So can I have the first Simon, please, to come up? Thank you. Thank you very much, Simon. Steady on. Right, so the reason for doing this, they weren't just the 12 apostles. They were ordinary individual people. So, hi, Simon. Jesus called you by the Greek name Peter. Or the same word in Aramaic is Cephas. Does anyone know what these two words mean? Say it louder. Rock. You don't look much like a rock. But Jesus told you in Matthew 16 verse 18, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell. Very well done. What a prophecy for one person. And sure enough, he became a leader, a spokesperson for the 12. He is mentioned far more than any other disciple in the New Testament. On a personal level, Simon Peter was the older brother of Andrew. Where's that, Andrew? No, 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 no. Back back you go, sorry. We're not ready for you quite yet. You You can give us a little wave, your brother's. We'll come back to you later. But back to you, Simon. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5, it suggests your wife came along with you on mission. So if any of you thought being an apostle meant you can get rid of your wife, you're wrong. Simon Peter, you shared the gospel boldly, but you also died for your faith. I'm sorry. Tradition states you were crucified, but you didn't feel that you were worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. So you were crucified upside down. I'm sorry, you may leave. Right, Andrew, we're going to come back to you later. James. Here we are, James. James, hello, James. You were John's older brother. Hi, John. 
But actually, John was mentioned more than James. We don't read much about you in Scripture, James, but you and John must have been passionate men as God called you sons of thunder. You were the first disciple to be martyred for your faith. You had your head chopped off. But one interesting thing about your death is it was the only one mentioned in Scripture in Acts 12, verse 1 to 3. So well done, good and faithful servant. You may be seated. John! (laughs) John, you prove that younger brothers don't have to hide behind their older brothers. You were known as the one who Jesus loved. What an honour. You wrote a large portion of the New Testament, five books in fact. Would anyone like to know what they are? John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and Revelation. Ah, I love this. Evidently, your close proximity to Jesus taught you about love as you wrote love more than any other author in the New Testament. There's even more good news for John. He wasn't killed for his faith. He was exiled to the island of Patmos, which wouldn't have been all that bad. I'm not sure how much you'd have seen of it if you were exiled, though. And I'm sure you were desperate to get back to your mission. And this was your desire was fulfilled and granted when you were allowed back to Ephesus, where you govern churches for the rest of your life. Well done. You may be seated. Andrew, we finally come to you. You, yeah, sorry, it's taken so long. There's a reason for that later. Right, you were Simon's brother, enthusiastic for Jesus. You, like your brother, would have probably been a follower of John the Baptist. But as John the Baptist himself stated, he was merely preparing the way. So when you heard Jesus' words, follow me, you would have followed him. But sadly, you were crucified for your faith as well. So it was short but sweet. Goodbye. Philip and Bartholomew. Yay, look at that. Thank you very much. Right, we don't know much about Philip. We knew he was a Jew, but Philip was his Greek name. You had a heart for evangelism. Well done. And you told your best bud, Bartholomew, all about Jesus as soon as you found out yourself. So well done. You're a good witness. Unfortunately, he also was uh, crucified and stoned and martyred for the faith. But Bartholomew, you found out all about Jesus because of what Philip said to you. And Bartholomew was your Aramaic name, but you were also known by a Hebrew name. Does anyone else know the Hebrew name of Bartholomew? Nathaniel. But you would have recognized the name. Come on. (laughs) Jesus recognized Bartholomew for having a sincere love of God. He said to you in John 1 verse 47, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What a lovely thing to say. But he, as he might have been best buds with uh, Philip, because Philip told you all about Jesus, you would have had your doubts about Jesus because he said to him, said to Philip, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, tradition states you went to preach in India, but was martyred in Armenia. Anyone know where Armenia is? Because I didn't. There's Armenia. 
Bartholomew, you didn't do very well at the end. You were beaten, crucified and beheaded. But well done. You did great work for Jesus. Thank you very much, you two. Matthew. Who is Matthew? Thank you. <laughs> right. Hello, Matthew. Matthew, you were a tax, tax collector. So everyone, boo, Matthew. <laughs> That's the noise you would have been used to because you were a tax collector and tax collectors were dodgy people. Some may argue the HMRC still is. Tax collectors were the most despised people in Israel. You were notorious for taking money for yourself and not for the government to line your own pockets. Would you take money from anyone? No, good boy. The Bible says, oh, sorry, hang on, sorry. The Pharisees look down on Jesus for having dinner at Matthew's house. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners, they said. Now, the Bible says that Jesus responded by saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus might have compared you to a sick person, Matthew, but in his eyes, it was far better to be a sick person wanting to be well than a self-righteous person thinking they are well. Tradition says you took the gospel to Ethiopia, but you were killed by a spear by the order of King Hyrcanus, probably for your faith. So you may go. Thomas. Beautiful. We've got very willing volunteers in this church. I like it. Now, I feel really sorry for Thomas because he was nicknamed Doubting Thomas. He wouldn't believe that Jesus had been resurrected. He said in John 20, verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, personally, I don't think this is such a crazy thing to say. After all, people being resurrected wasn't an everyday occurrence. Even though Jesus did create miracles, it still wasn't an everyday thing. So, Thomas, you were also called Didymus. Does anyone know what Didymus means? Twin. I'm picking on you today, sorry. But his twin wasn't mentioned in the Bible, which is interesting. Thomas, you were courageous and loyal. Well done. Qualities that are often overlooked when you hear the word Thomas. In John 14, verse 4 to 5, Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for the disciples. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? He was obviously devoted to Jesus and didn't want to be left behind. Tradition says you started the church in India like someone else. Thank you. Well done, but you died by the spear, so you may be seated. Well done, Thomas. James, the second. Hi, you scare me. Right, don't read, read it, it's cheating. Right, James, your mother was Mary. Your brother was Joseph, not your father, because otherwise you'd be Jesus. Your father was called Alphaeus. You were also called James the Less probably because you might have been Joseph's younger brother, but also because we don't know much about him. However, you are still chosen by Jesus, which would have been an incredible three years of your life. You must have been a valuable team player. Well done, high five. And Jesus would have used you in a powerful way, but you were stoned to death in Jerusalem, so you may go. Thank you, James.
Thaddeus. Well done, Thaddeus. You are also called Judas or Jude. You are mentioned once in scripture in John 14, verse 22, when you asked Jesus, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him by saying he will show himself to anyone who loves him and learns about him through the word of God. What a promise to us as believers all this time later. Tradition says you went to Edessa, which apparently now is in Turkey, and was clubbed to death by, I'm really sorry. But well done, good and faithful servant. You did well for Jesus. Simon, the second. Hello, Simon. You were Simon the Zealot. You were. Perhaps he was a political activist in his younger years. So why would Jesus choose someone so unpredictable as a disciple? Politics and religion don't mix after all. Now, you would have had fierce loyalties. You would have been passionate, courageous, and as your name says, you were zealous. Does anyone know what zealous means? Enthusiastic, with great energy. So you'd have been a good ambassador for Jesus. Tradition says you went to preach in Egypt, perhaps on the west coast of Africa. You may have even come to England. Welcome. It may have been his downfall, though, because he might have been crucified here. So, goodbye. Now, I think I'm on the last one. Have I missed anyone out? There we are. I'll be Judas. Now, he was known as the traitor. Not part of the current TV series, I have to say. We don't know much about his background. Even his encounter with Jesus and his call to become a disciple isn't mentioned in scripture. He may have given three years of his life to be with Jesus, but he certainly didn't give his heart. He betrayed Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver, which poignantly was the price of a slave. Would anyone like to guess how much 30 pieces of silver would be worth today? 5p, any higher, any lower? Shilling. 10 grand. We've gone from 5p to 10 grand. 20,000. Gosh, it's getting higher. 11. 5,000. Well, apparently they had different pieces of silver, so it's arguable how much it was, but it was somewhere in the region of about 70 to 350 pounds. Not much at all. Jesus stands to us as a warning about the risks of spiritual carelessness, wasted opportunity, and the hardness of our hearts. He did actually try to atone for betraying Jesus, though. In Matthew 27, verses 3 to 5, it says, When Judas saw what happened, he was very sorry for what he had done. So he took the 30 silver coins back to the priests and leaders. Judas said, I sinned. I gave you an innocent man to be killed. The leaders answered, what is that to us? That's your problem, not ours. So Judas threw the money into the temple and went off and hanged himself. A bit of a somber mood to end this section of my message, but we have to remember it had to happen this way. Zachariah Daudi had a prophecy about it years later, uh, years before, and Jesus too predicted what was going to happen to him. So we can consider that Judas had his own mission to complete in order for Christianity to even exist and to flourish. And what have we received because of this? 
The promise that if we believe that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected to save our souls from sin, we would have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to go back to our first three apostles. Can anyone remember the first three names? Simon? James? Yes, well done. Now, something I've never picked up on, and I feel a bit ashamed about this, having been a Christian for 38 years, uh, is that these three were the core group of Jesus' disciples, his inner circle, if you like. These three were the only apostles to witness Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. They were the only ones to witness the transfiguration, And they were the only ones at Gethsemane to be asked to keep watch when Jesus had his moment of anguish and painful prayers about what was going to happen. The disciples were there, but they had been left behind further away. These three men were to have great leadership roles in the future. Perhaps Jesus was preparing them for this by allowing them to be his A-team. Now, were the others disgruntled about being the less important disciples? Absolutely. In Matthew 20, verse 28, James and John's mother comes to Jesus to talk about her sons. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons may be on, sorry, sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. That's a bit cheeky. I know they were her babies, but how could anyone have the audacity to ask Jesus a question like that? But does Jesus rebuke her? No. He does give her a warning, though. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Now, I would argue that they wouldn't quite understand the weight of that question until later on. But Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. But then this line comes, talk about being disgruntled. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together. They obviously needed a pep talk at this point and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. This isn't the way they're to behave. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Matthew 20 just goes to show, even back then, people had power struggles when it came to leadership leadership choices. And Jesus needed to sit them down and knock their heads together. Can't you see the bigger picture, guys? This isn't about exercising authority over one another. You're playing on the same team. You're fighting for the same side. This is about the advancement of the kingdom. I wonder whether Jesus questioned his life choices at this point. Why did I choose these guys? But that's the point I'm making today. Anyone he chose would have had the same issues, the same selfish desires, the same failings, because they were ordinary people. They weren't saints at that point, although we call them that now. They were sinners. 
They weren't refined members of the community. They were fishermen, tax collectors, the humdrum of the normal life. Common, ordinary people with typical failings can be used by God in extraordinary, remarkable ways. The word disciple is defined as a personal follower of Christ. The word apostle means one who is sent out. These 12 men were to be with Jesus, to become more like him for the three years of his ministry. They were also to be sent out by him once those three years had ended. So a bit late on that one. Now this shows the importance of true discipleship and the importance of being sent out on mission. Now what does that mean for us? Now, anyone know what two words did Jesus say when he chose his apostles? You're all very biblical here. Now, who is this call for? All of us. To anyone who believes, we have the invitation to follow Jesus, to become more like him, to learn about him, to be used by him and to be sent out by him witnessing to our neighbours, work colleagues, friends, family, acquaintances, anyone who is willing to listen. It's as much the call for us as it was for Jesus' apostles 2,000 years ago. It's a simple decision, but it's no walk in the park. It's as tough now as it was then. We're worried about what people might think or say, if we'll get mocked, ridiculed or laughed at. Adam Vogt came to preach at our church in Who last week. He talked about how becoming a follower of Jesus wasn't all lovely and glorious, full of all the admiring crowds, but it was also about the times of going through the wilderness into the battle of spiritual warfare. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 31 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Maybe you're at a place where you don't even feel worthy to come into God's presence. Please read 1 Corinthians again. He wants us, ordinary us. It says he chooses the foolish, the weak, the lowly, and despised. We're to come as we are. I'm proud to be called foolish, weak, lowly and despised if it means that God can use me. We're ordinary, but with the power of God inside us, he can make extraordinary things happen. Maybe you feel like you're in God's presence this morning, but you're not any, making any progress becoming a disciple. Now, God calls us to be more like him, to live the right life, being committed and obedient to him. And maybe you feel like you're becoming a good disciple, but you're hiding away from telling others about Jesus. And it's not just declaring our faith on mission. How we live, how we talk, how we behave around other people will show them who we're standing for. We're called to be ambassadors for him every day. 
Now, if you're struggling with any of these, there are people around you who would love to pray for you. The answer is, of course, prayer. Not a cliche in the Christian world. Prayer changes everything. So if you'd like prayer this morning, I'm sure there's a good prayer team here who'd like to pray for you. Or perhaps we can get into groups of two or three uh, people and to pray for each other, to pray to understand and recognize, to be confident that we can come into God's, God's church, to be in his presence, knowing that we are loved as we are to pray for each other, to become good disciples, to learn more about him so that we can spread the gospel and do our second part to become an apostle, to be a witness for Christ.